Do you like retro video games? Then you should check out the Nerd Cave Retro on Spotify, iTunes, and wherever you can find podcasts. If you like the show, then you can join the Discord by going to the Nerd Cave Retro Twitter page and click the link at the top of the page. If you like the Open Micers podcast, but you think I'm too handsome, check out the Jester's Court podcast hosted by my fat twin, Mr. Mike Evelyn found wherever podcasts are given away for free. Dead Game is the new podcast where award-winning comedy writer Wally Phelps and award-seeing comedy sidekick Carlos Longoria (laughs) use their powers of necromancy to resurrect failing or long-suffering game franchises. From Fortnite to Rock Band, D&D to Double Dragon, listen to Dead Game, where games go to get good. We also want to shout out our other patrons, Mr. Derek Diamond and old Rob himself, Mr. Robbie Hennig. Just drop that ass, bitch, it's open micers in the house Pop that pussy with that open micers logo in your mouth Jason with his bald ass head, Jacob looking in bed It's open micers, bitch, heard what I said Drop that ass, drop that ass, open micers in the house Drop that ass, pop that pussy, open micers in the house Open micers in the house, open micers in the mouth Drop that ass, pop that pussy, open micers in the house the mic is now open. That's true. The mic is open. My name is Jason Robbins. I'm Jacob Craig. And fellas, it's just been a really rough month for guests this month. It just seems like we haven't been able to pin one down. Um, Jason's been sick. We've had personal stuff going on. We've had to cancel. Guests have had to cancel. But very luckily, we have a very special and very welcome replacement guest for us this week. Uh, you can currently see him competing in the Plano Comedy Festival. He has done it in years past. He is a native of, well, I say native. He has lived in Texas for over 40 years. He has made a name for himself during the pandemic, hosting all kinds of Zoom shows. He is the one and the only Al Casiglia. How are you doing, my friend? Great. Thank you, Jacob. Glad to be here. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah. I meet a lot in virtual, and uh, I love your song because, I mean, this a lot of open mics like that i mean uh it, it's just uh you know guys think that uh, that's the way to comedy all right uh, right here, let's preface this by saying i i love mark simmons who made our theme song and i i think i get more and more embarrassed every time we play it every week because i'm just like one of these weeks there's going to be a guest who's going to be on the zoom call and i'm going to play the theme and then the screen's just going to go black. <laughs> We're going to lose the guest immediately. I love that he, yeah, he, he kept it in there and he screwed up the words at, that, at one point. I, I just love that because, I mean, that's, uh, I don't know if he did it intentionally or not, but, you know, that's a lot of what happens on, uh, at open mics. And I'll, I'll tell you, my, I hopefully we'll get to my pet peeves about open mic. Oh, we will. Trust me. Man, we can open with your pet peeves about yeah. open mic. I'll let it fly. What is what is the most what is the worst thing that an open micer can do in your mind? Well, you know, I get heat for this, but I think if you go on stage with a notebook, you're not prepared. Okay. What do you and what do you think about the notebook versus a comic using like notes on their phone? Phone is worse. Okay. Just I mean, dude, watch the audience if there is an audience when you do that, and you've lo- you've lost their attention. Uh, because they're wondering, oh, is he going to find his notes? Where's his phone? He's got to pull it out of his pocket. He's got to look. He can't find it. I mean, it happens all the time. It's, it's, it's comical to me. But most most comics do it, right? 
I'm retired, so you know I have time to prepare. The other thing is that I make fun of them because I'm 73. They're up there with notes. I I don't use notes. I fly without a net. Well, I need a mind like yours because I'm 46 and I can't remember anything ever. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess if you're doing really new material, it's acceptable. But I don't know. I think if there's an audience, you should put your notebook away. How yeah. do you feel about um, like, like me and Jacob both use an app called uh, the Comedy uh, the Comedy Companion, and it, what it does it. it sort of like you set up your set lists and everything in there and it's got like a timer on it as well and when i go on stage i like to use that as my timer so i can just kind of i set it on the chair so i can kind of look over see where i'm at because uh, i don't like going over i don't want to be that comic who goes up and just stays up there so what do you what do you think about that i i think that anything that helps you to to get through your set and not lose your place and is not is not a, a intrusive or obvious i think is is acceptable okay um I, I i mean the timing is critical and of course you know people running the lights is you know is is my second pet peeve and they, they act like they don't see it which everyone in the room can see it and uh you know the only place that doesn't happen is that back door where you know they <laughs> they'll yank you off stage just about if you go run the light yeah, well, I which I'm, I'm actually a big fan of that, even though it does kind of create an awkward moment with a comic literally getting pulled off stage. But it's like, <laughs> yeah, I've never seen anyone pulled off stage, although I would like to. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we, we've literally seen people like where the host is, you know, they start a new bit after they've already run the light like three times. And the, the host, host just gets up, up there, there and, and takes the mic away. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen it. Never seen that. I wish I, I wish I had because. Yeah, I, I think it's unfair to everybody else. I'll tell you my other pet peeve is uh, people who do a set and leave. I, yeah. I mean, if everybody did that, there'd be nobody in the room, especially when it's just comic. Uh, and uh, that, you know, uh, you know, maybe I'm maybe I'm old and crotchety, but those are my <laughs> those no, are my things. You're you're not because I mean, I think that's that's a smaller thing to say a smaller scene thing like i can respect if you're in new york and you go to an open mic and then you leave because you have another open mic to go to i can understand that but like the scene where we're at i know that you're not getting up more than once in a night so it's like well, there are people that get up one, one more than once in a night but i i mean what i what i think helps you to become a better comic is if you want to see how the audience reacted to you versus the people also up on right. stage, you're, you're not going to find that if you leave and, and, or you walk in right before you set. So I think it, it I, I think that people think the more mics I do, the better I'm going to get rather than, than, you know, studying what they've done during an open mic. Okay. That, and that does make a lot of sense actually seeing, you know, instead of the same set versus a different audience, seeing different sets versus the same audience. Yeah. yeah, I think, you know, that's an individual thing. I mean, um, I, you know, when I do new material at an open mic, I try to include stuff I think will get, a, you know, usually gets a laugh because mm -hmm. it helps to to really test the material rather than, you know, just, you know, three to five minutes of all new material without any laugh, any guaranteed laugh. Right. I would say that my biggest pet peeve at an open mic is when a comic gets up there with their notes. And then they're looking at their phone going, what else, what else, what else? And then they do a bit 
immediately after that I know for a fact is a bit that they do every single time they're on stage. <laughs> How do you not yeah, know that a, bit? Yeah, no, I, I've been there. It's annoying. And uh, I, I I mean, there are, you know, most of the comics are, are trying to improve their craft. I'll give them that. Stop um, talking about me, Jacob. I'm right here, man. <laughs> <laughs> Jason, you need to stop. Which, to be fair, Jason does have the memory of a 95-year-old. Like, he, really? he just yeah. can't help himself. But there are comics that I know. It's like, why are you even looking at your phone when you when you only have the same 10 minutes you've been doing for five years? Like, Yeah, I mean, and, and if, it, if it's funny, it's funny. Linda Stogner is the per- perfect example of, you know, doing pretty much the same material. And right. <laughs> No matter how many times you hear it, she's funny. But see, my problem yeah. is, is while I'm on stage and I, I, I have my whole set like in my head before I go up, I know what I'm going to do. I know how everything's going to flow. But then I get on stage and I'm constantly thinking about the next thing I'm going to be talking about. And then I will completely forget the punchline of the joke that I'm in. And like I've done that quite a few times and I hate that about myself. Uh, I think that we all do that i think we all are thinking ahead uh at least i do it i mean i when i'm i've told a joke i think what am i even while i'm speaking which is really amazing if you think about what your brain is doing while you're standing up there you know with these lights in your eyes and people staring at you and you're running through your your head you're running through your set i i think that it and yes you can lose your place but everybody loses their place yeah that's very deep. It's how you cover it up, really. But I think I have. Thank speaking you. of uh, Thank people, you, people I wasn't like, even trying to. I wasn't even trying to be deep. But everybody yes. loses their place sometimes, man. <laughs> but speaking of going over the light, I think that's, I might have done that with you topic. before, Jacob, when you were running the uh, the the open mic there at the juke joint. I think I might have run over the light once or twice because I just didn't see it. And then I get off stage and I'm like, man, how long was I up there? And you were like, you were up there for like 12 minutes. I'm like, why didn't you just come get me? Like, why'd you let me flounder for like seven more minutes? Well, to be fair, and I want to ask Al about this because I know he's hosted just a buku amount of open mics. Uh, when I'm hosted an open mic and I know that there's time to play with and a comic's killing and they run the light, I personally, I'm not going to stop them if I know that it's not going to take away from anyone else. Yeah. But the problem is the ones who run the light and are not funny. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And then, but I usually, I'll, I'll make myself, you know, I'll make them aware that I expect them to get off stage by moving towards the stage. Yeah. Stop oh, talking right about me, Al. I'm right here. <laughs> <laughs> I was, see, and I, I would, I just assumed that Jason knew that he was hot and wanted to stay on. And then afterwards, he'd be like, I never saw the light. And I'm like, you're, <laughs> you're literally blind. How that's are you okay. functioning? That, that's all right. But some clubs, I, here's another thing. Why doesn't every club have a clock? Every club True. should have a clock. I don't get it. Yeah. That would Does be helpful. That would definitely be helpful. I mean, that, all the improvs have clocks. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that would be the easiest way to time your set is to just roughly look at the giant well, clock in the back of the time room. time it down. So, when I mean, most of us are intelligent enough to know when it's, it gets to zero that uh, your set's done. Well, what do you think about this? Do you, do you know Todd Barry personally or otherwise? I do not, no. Okay, so, so Todd Barry, when he books a gig 
it, he has a writer and he's one of the few comics left that do. And in his writer, he says that he needs an alarm clock to be set up in the room specifically with blue letters instead of red on the alarm clock. So that that's in his contract. Set. It's in that's his contract in his... for every single show he does. I think that's uh, that's probably a good uh, rider to have in your contract. I, I don't understand why they don't have clocks. I mean, it makes absolutely no sense to me. Like Plano House of Comedy. I don't know if you've ever been been there. To the, no. no. It, it's a really nice club, It's but it, but it's big, and they shine the light from the from the sound booth which is which is stage right and you can't really see it and everybody run everybody goes over the light because it's put a you know put a big clock at the back of the room right i don't know especially during shows where you've got you know six to nine comics on on a show right especially during shows where you might not know what the light means because i know that sometimes i've done bigger shows with an inexperienced host where I'm doing 20 minutes and then they light me and then I go one more minute and I get off and they're like, Hey, you didn't do your time. You had, you know, five minutes left. I lit you at, you know, when you had 10 minutes left, I'm like, well, why, why are you going to light me at that point when I don't need to get off stage? I I always clear that up before I go on stage. Yeah. I, I mean, I make sure they either ask me or I tell them when I want the light. Yeah. I definitely do that as a host, but when I'm and performing, if they, that's the if last they the light life. center stage. 99% of people will see it. Right. Wherever the wherever it is, big room or not, if you put that light up at you know in center stage, I think it it gets the message. I I don't know. All, I'm sorry, all that's pretty pretty boring. <laughs> no, I thought I thought we were doing good. <laughs> Which I mean, it's a very obvious thing and still so many comics just ignore it blatantly. Um I do want to ask you about this Al. Do you remember me? uh maybe where where have we met <laughs> i don't know for certain i know for a fact <laughs> that we did a zoom show together during the pandemic i couldn't tell you which one it was okay well i was doing a lot of zoom shows during the pandemic and i i'm glad you brought up zoom because i believe in the value of zoom yeah it's fantastic i mean we we started this podcast during the pandemic and we stuck with zoom just because it would be impossible to get the kind of guests we're bringing on here to come right. through our area. I I just think that as a comic, uh, and I'm, I'll only compare it to a room where there's only comics in person. Yeah. Okay. They're not paying attention when they're in person, but when they're on Zoom, they have a tendency to pay attention. And if you make it clear that you expect them to stay for the entire mic, I, I think it allows people to really test material, change material, check their timing, pauses, the, everything that goes with it. And, uh, uh, you know, I've been doing a mic. Uh, we'll do our 151st on Wednesday, consecutive, every Wednesday. since Every, December every Wednesday 9th, over Zoom. Over Zoom, since December 9th, 2020. Wow, that's incredible. So you've stuck with the, the the Zoom open mics this whole time. Yeah, and I do uh Dat Fan, you know who he is? Yeah. Yeah, he's won the first season of uh Last Comic Standing. He does a lot of Zoom and I got into being a regular on his bit and uh, on his show and uh uh and that again is a good forum, I think, for you know, practicing your material and especially for for new material. Yeah, I mean, I always just saw it as, you know, 
beneficial because it's it's so I don't want to say low stakes because there are stakes, but just the fact that I don't even have to leave the house. I can go to another mic that night if I have to, because it's so convenient to be on the Zoom. Then I can leave the house afterwards. Uh, you know, d- during the pandemic, and I will say I did stop as soon as everything opened up. But right. you know, during the pandemic, when that's all we had, I mean, I was still cutting my teeth as a comic then, and it was, you know, it made me a better comic to to do them as opposed to not do them. And had to sit out a year if you were not going out, which I didn't. I could. I pretty much sat sat out a year, a little bit more. Um, the other thing about Zoom is that you can use notes, and I think that helps you when you're working new material. Um, so you know that to me, those are those are the benefits. Yeah, I was not a fan of the uh, the Zoom shows. <laughs> I know you weren't, Jason. I was waiting for you to say something. <laughs> I didn't like it at all. I did two of them, and and that was about all I could take. Like I just could not. It, it, I I need to have that that live in person interaction. Like it just something between the screen and and the the people. It, it just it just doesn't have it just loses something and I, I just i couldn't take it no i i think that there's a lot of people that feel that way and clearly uh they you know there aren't many zoom mics left uh, uh I, actually i i don't know of any except mine and dad fans um so i don't know my i call mine the ye oldie ye oldie mic yeah <laughs> yeah and i remember seeing that plastered everywhere uh pretty much as soon as covid hit that was one of the first zoom open actually no i didn't do it until december of 2020 i was doing uh michelle rose domes monday not monday mike which i think was the first one okay Um, and then uh um rampantly got into all those blue mics and red mics and green mics and and they've faded and of course nick nico at Displaced Comics, starting that Facebook group, and you know there are thousands on that. Right. Yeah, I met a lot of uh, interesting people through there. Jason, that's where I met Neil Rubenstein was through that uh, oh, yeah, that yeah, Facebook yeah. group. That's cool. Um, I I don't think it helps either that the quality of the Zoom mics went down so much because, like, I did one just a few months ago where yeah. it was. It was literally hosted by a 14-year-old boy, Al. I'm not making that up. <laughs> what? It was there's this guy who has this one credit who thinks that he's the biggest comic in the world and he has this Zoom mic and he can't host it all the time, so he has his 14-year-old little brother host it. Wow. And I got on and it was literally a 14-year-old and I'm like, "Hey man, like no one said PG or PG-13. I'm about to do some hard R material." I right. feel horrible doing it in front of where the 14 year old is, a you know, the host. <laughs> no, I agree 100%. I, I have trouble even, even when it's okay to have a kid in, kid in the audience. And, uh, you know, the whole clean thing is another thing that, you know, I don't really understand. I mean, I understand you can't say expletives or, you know, yeah. but I, you know, where's the line? I mean, I've had numerous people explain it to me different, different ways. Right. And and my thing has always been that, like, I I won't work clean if I don't see a reason for it, because there'll be I'll do shows where they're like, hey, 
everyone in this room is like over 60 and you should probably keep it PG-13. And I'm like, they probably invented some of the curse words I'm going to say on stage. Like, if I yeah, do clean, I'm going to die up there. It's, they, may, they may not react the same as a younger audience, but they're enjoying it for, for sure. That, that I would agree with that. Right. And, um, and, you know, I've done shows with kids in the audience, too. And my, my thing about that is, like, I will always want to work clean while there's kids in the audience. And right. they're, you know there are bar owners and parents tell me like, Oh no, it's fine. Like do some crowd work and roast our kids. I'm like, y'all oh are insane. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's a good idea. <laughs> especially I've, I've literally done a, it. It was not a good idea. <laughs> especially if you drive a, a black van window, a black windowless van. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or if you just look like me, maybe you shouldn't <laughs> do any comedy about children. Oh, <laughs> That reminds you know, me. talking about clean and being an open micro, I did my first set at Backdoor, and uh, I met with Jan Norton, who's pretty well known in the comedy world, and um, and for an hour before I took the stage for the first time, and you know they're a clean club, so uh, her description was you cannot create the mental image of a body part. Okay, so you can't describe your arm hair. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if it, if it, you know, if it relates to a body part that is, you know, not clean, you cannot, uh, you know, that's the description she gave me. I had another comic tell me that you can't do anything uh, jokes below the waist. Yeah, see, clean has such a broad definition. I know, that. I, I have trouble with it, but I know... There are a couple of clean comics in this town that, I mean, they're, they're always clean. I mean, they, they don't... They don't cross the line. They don't do both, and and uh, they get a, they get they get pretty good gigs um, being totally clean comic. Yeah, and see, I admire that because I, you know, that's just not ever been my brand of comedy. And whenever I've been booked for clean shows, and I've had to make a concerted effort to clean it up, I, you know, I ask like, "Hey, what is the definition of clean?" And then they give it to me, and I say, "Okay, cool, I'll go do and." and do like five minutes about drugs. You know what I mean? That's right. You didn't say anything about that. Get off stage. Right. It's like, yeah. Hey, I said it was clean. Okay. Well, I didn't say any cuss words. Like, you need, you know, you need to get, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Drugs. Pressure. I do a lot of weed. I do a lot of weed humor. And uh, yeah, I, I, for me, I guess if you, if you really want to describe it, it would be that you're doing it to a corporate audience. So you wouldn't, you wouldn't touch sex. You wouldn't touch drugs. Uh, Right. I think it's more difficult, but I think also that if the audience expects clean, it's easier. But if you're in a comedy club and you you got, you know, three or four people that go up with before you and they're not clean, it's really hard to be funny, you know, doing jokes about CPAC, CPAC machine. <laughs> right. What What is your <laughs> personal view on crowd work as well? Because I know pretty much any gig that I work, like if I'm working with a big headliner, one of their only things is please don't do crowd work before my right. set. Yeah, I, I, my major gigs are with a comedy magician, well known. Actually, he's the guy, the kid that got me started. Travels around, sells out, but when he's local or even close to where I am, or if I want to go somewhere, you know, I'll go and work with him. And he does his whole his whole thing is crowd work. So I do not do I I do not do crowd work. And, yeah. you know, I, I think that sometimes people use it as a crutch. 
if their set's not going well, instead of trying to, you know, get the crowd with with you by telling jokes, they'll resort to crowd work. And, you know, everybody asks the same questions, which I don't right. know. I, I think that you have to be pretty, you have to do it a lot, I think, to be really good at it because it takes, it takes ad-libbing and, and in some cases, knowing what people are going to say. Right. And, you know, as much as people want to shit on Matt Reif and Matty Smith and people like that, you know, they, they're actually doing crowd work in a way that's not just the, hey, what do you do? Are you two a couple? What right. brings you here tonight? Like, you know. Where did you meet? <laughs> right. Yeah, just that, that whole five questions before a punchline that just what do you completely... do for a living? Yeah, but you, I mean, I think that's, you know, that's an easy, you know, in sales, we used to call it the low-hanging fruit. And I, I think mm-hmm. I think crowd work, if done well, can be can be uh, the low-hanging fruit. Right. But, As a lot of things in comedy. But I, I want to start establishing a timeline here, Al. Your first open mic. Yeah. Uh, what what year is this and what part of the world are you located in? I did my first open mic in Dallas in 2000, March 22nd, 2018. Okay, that is very much more recent than I thought it was yeah. going to be. <laughs> right. Okay, I so think what it says is that you can get into this into this industry at any age as long as you're willing to do the things that you you know to develop your craft. Al, I've literally been doing comedy longer than you, and I'm only 23. I love it. I love it. Well, you know, the kid I work with, he's 25. Okay. He's been doing, you know, magic and birthday parties, you know, that kind of stuff as a kid, probably for 15 years. Um, Right. And uh, so, you know, the difference for me was I was in corporate America. So I used to use, I used to, you know, pretty much tell jokes at business meetings, you know. I used to do a top 10 about the, the, you know, the organization and I did different skits and I tried to use comedy to, you know, to make people feel, uh, you know, that they wanted to be part of that, part of that community and that, that environment, create the, create the environment. What'd you do before, before doing comedy? What, what part of corporate America were you in? I, I worked uh, in pharmaceuticals, uh, started as a sales rep worked my way up to a regional director, fucked that up, got fired. <laughs> uh, yeah, that doesn't the, seem the, like the kind of place where they take kindly to, to you know... <laughs> you cannot think outside <laughs> Do the box, comedy. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then, then I got into, fortunately, into the mobile phones in the early 90s. And that was, you know, that was the easiest sales job I ever had. Wow. I'm sure you cleaned up then actually having a mobile phone even. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I had, as a matter of fact, I had the brick and the antenna used to stick out of my jacket. That was wow. pro- probably what, like $10 a minute to use that thing. <laughs> and the reason that uh, it became so easy to sell, I don't know if you want to hear this, but I worked for AT&T and back then there was a thing called roaming. So if you, mm. if you went to, you know, you know, Tyler or Little Rock or wherever, New York, you're paying a dollar, dollar fifty a minute. And AT&T introduced this thing called one rate that was 25 bucks a month. And we couldn't supply it. I mean, the demand was exceeded the the, the ability to supply phones. 
That's incredible. That's actually so interesting to me because I, I literally wasn't alive during this world. So I, <laughs> yeah, I, you, yeah, oh, you, were you born in this you were born in the this century or were you born in when when's your birthday? So I was born in two thousand. Oh wow. You yeah. know, I did a yeah, I did a decade show where I did a a comic from like the fifties, one from the sixties, seventies, eighties, nineties, and it was you know, I tried to get a sociological or, you know, like a college to come and study it because mm -hmm. I would think that from a sociological standpoint, the humor of the person born in the 50s is going to be drastically different than someone born, born after 2000. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I've found that it's actually not, too, because, you know, we we've go to a lot of open mics and have had a lot of open mics where, like, there are comics going up that were born in the 1950s who have just the dirtiest humor of all time. <laughs> you know, there, there aren't a lot of old, I'm the oldest in, in the town and uh, there aren't a lot of old, old comics here in Dallas. It's a young city. So we got to tell you guys about B res coffee company. That's right. B res coffee is a small business established here on the Gulf coast that was created for gamers by gamers. Whatever kind of coffee you like, they got you covered like the out-of-this-world chocolate and caramel-flavored roast, or the Two Hardies One Ship, which is a rum and dark chocolate-flavored roast. You can even get your very own Open Micers Roast of Coffee. So if you like us, you'll like this dark roast too. So head over to brezcoffeeco.com and use our code OMPODCAST for 10% off of your order. This podcast is brought to you by our mobile gaming partner, Globe Glider. If you like the fast-paced action of games like Flappy Bird mixed with the strategy of Balloon's Tower Defense, then Globe Glider is for you. Making a donation to the game using our partnership will not only give you sweet in-game prizes, but also unlocks an exclusive open micers cape and helps a small indie gaming company thrive. Download Globe Glider now on the App Store or Google Play. Where are you guys based? So we're on the Gulf Coast of Mississippi. Wow. How's humor down there? It, can, can you do political? You can if it. You have if to be you very observational. Of, if, if you don't want a career, I'll be honest. Uh, it's it's really dangerous in Dallas too, obviously, because both both places are well, not Dallas as much as Texas, right? Uh, because most Gulf Coast of Mississippi. Well, is that where you guys grew up? Yeah. Yep. Born and raised. You went to high school there. Yep. Oh yeah. Worst time of my life. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, when you're doing comedy down here, you almost have to be very observational of the crowd because you think Mississippi, you think, okay, hard right, all this stuff. But on the coast here specifically, yeah, there's a lot, tourists, of, right? a lot of tourists, a lot, yeah. a lot of bikers as well. And there's, there's a lot of left-leaning people. So you can mm -hmm. get away with a Biden joke, but then you can also get away with a Trump joke, and it just depends on where you're at and who you're doing it for. All right, I want to I want to test a political joke, okay? Because I here sometimes I get laughs, sometimes I don't. Is that okay with you guys? Go yes, for please. it. All right. So, what has four legs and the arm of a Secret Service agent? What's that? That would be a Happy Commander Biden. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. And That's I a good topical joke. It's really funny. That's a joke. Commander got kicked out of the house the same time that McCarthy, Scalise, and Jordan did. 
See, that's what that's the kind of political jokes I try to do where like both sides could laugh at that. Right. But it's still dangerous. It's still dangerous. <laughs> I, and then I do uh, and I do this on a related note. I, I won't be doing my Mitch McConnell impression tonight. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, again, a, a good topical political joke. Yeah, and but dark. They're both uh, they're both dark. See, now you could get a you can definitely get away with doing that joke because you know you are an older gentleman. So if you just completely go into a blank <laughs> stare for like five seconds and then hit with that punchline, that's the longer hit. I do it, the audience will make sounds. It's really funny. <laughs> But he did it for what? Almost 30 seconds, I think. He did it for way too long oh, to be okay. Yeah. <laughs> it long was way enough, too long to be acceptable. Long <laughs> enough where it was like someone should have said something to him way before that. Like They should have shook him a little bit. <laughs> yeah, like, hey. <laughs> and it happened twice, so who knows how many times it really happened. I know. That's got to be like a mini heart attack or something he's having. I, that's just, you know, I don't know. I, fortunately, it's not happened to me except when I do my Mitch McConnell impression. <laughs> right. So, Jacob, if I'm ever on stage and I blank out like that, don't wait 30 seconds. You know, a good 10 seconds in, I'm pretty sure that I'm having a stroke at that point. So come get me, take me to the hospital. All right. So that's all you need to do. <laughs> Yeah, I'll still just let you after five freeze minutes. up and run off stage at open mics. They just they just completely freeze, and then they just run off stage in the middle of their set. Have we? I wish that the people that froze here would just run off stage afterwards. <laughs> but they just they do their whole time of just freezing. Yeah, it's too bad you can't pick the people that that would happen to. <laughs> right, I have a few in mind. Oh man, yeah. do you remember a couple of weeks ago, Jacob, when we went to the open mic and uh, there was this guy there that they kept who had never done comedy before, didn't even, didn't even know comedy was happening, but they talked him into going on stage, and he got up there and he was up there for so long because he no one <laughs> told him what the light was, so he didn't know to get off stage <laughs> when the light shone. So how long was he up there just? telling stories that just had no point whatsoever this is gonna sound like really crappy of me but when it's <laughs> it when it's someone that i know is an open micer and someone that i don't recognize i don't watch them i go outside and then come back in afterwards is that right you leave the you leave the building uh-huh because i will i might literally throw up it, yeah. it's it's like watching somebody rape your woman right in front of you <laughs> and you're just like i can do that way better yeah. oh my god I, I, there are times there are times i'd like to boo i mean i think sometimes booing you know you go to an open mic and you say okay you can, we're gonna allow booing tonight you know if you don't like a joke joke just boo right yeah i mean one of, one of the uh, developmental things though that i found really useful is feedback mics where you we mm. with like two two or three people and and we do it on zoom and uh and you test material and get get suggestions yeah we i mean pretty much every open mic on the coast used to be like that where you know you know every comic on the coast is we're all friends because there's only like 10 of us so after every open mic we would sit down and we would create tags and we say this is what you could do better and oh, then, really? yeah but you know i i think it's more people down here, people either quit comedy really quickly or they get so good at it that they move away. 
And so as more of that starts to happen, then there's less community. And it, now it's so, sort of like, I'll go up to somebody, I'll give them a tag, and they're just kind of like offended that I think I can do their joke better. Um, yeah, I wouldn't. I, I, anybody gives me a note, I, I love it. Give me a note if yeah. it, you think it'll make me funny or I'm, I'm glad to accept it. Absolutely. And I think the, the hardcore comics are like that. You know, once you get to a place where you're like, you understand that someone giving you a tag isn't condescending in any way. Yeah. They're Not just trying all. to genuinely like, you know, hey, here's something I saw with your material. It means they're paying attention. Right. Well, we did a, a round table um, with Neil Rubenstein came through town uh, a while back and, you know, me and Jacob and some comedians from Mobile we got together and we just kind of did a round table where, you know, we threw out some bits and jokes at one another and we're just kind of throwing out ideas and helping each other with punchlines. And I loved that so much. I actually liked that more than actually getting on stage. I, I think it can be really helpful. And I think it really, really helps to develop your material because I mean, it, it when I do it, I'll, I'll use maybe mediocre material or material that's working, but I want more to it, and it really helps. I, I think it's a great way to, to to expand your set with funny material and have fun doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, the some of the most fun that I think we've ever had before has been just after uh, a show or an open mic, everyone getting around, talking, eating, drinking, and then. You know, that I, th I think that's what makes a scene to me, because you can have all the best comics in the world. But uh, if they're not clicking and sharing notes and, you know, it's pretty it's pretty competitive here. There there are thousands of comics. I'm sure with the with the, the Austin boom, I'm sure a lot of that is bled over into y'all. Well, you got well. Fort Worth and Dallas and uh, and, you know, people want to go to Austin because of the mothership now. So, yeah, uh, right. There, there are some people that have left to go down there and some that have left to go down there and come back uh i think it's pretty tough yeah Although i listen i listened to kill tony that that show sucked <laughs> okay please please elaborate on this i would love to hear your thoughts because i listen to it every monday and i love it <laughs> those guys are not funny they're yeah. they're 30 seconds they're minute bits they're doing they're getting two jokes in a minute okay so the comedians on kill tony aren't funny yeah, and he tries to, you know, I will say he tries to be nice, but eventually he gets, I've only, I think I've only listened to it one and a half times. Okay. <laughs> turned it off, turned it off both times. He was doing his elimination when I was li listening to it, and he had a guy that headlines, I forget his name, he, he's an Asian guy. Hans uh, Kim, the worst regular in Kill Tony history. <laughs> oh, well, he's, he was winning. He won six times in a row. Yeah, and uh, Ali, I guess from his show is going to be up here at the festival. But I, I'm not a. I guess I shouldn't say it over the public airways. But no, the show sucks, and I'm not a Joe Rogan fan. <laughs> Hell yes! Shots fired. <laughs> I, Al, I I love this so much because even though I do have a difference of opinion, I love the hot take, and I'm glad that you shared it with us. Well, it'll probably ruin my career, but that's all right. I mean, uh, yeah, he's not worried about me. Six, he makes no. sixty, he makes sixty five million a year. Now, someone who listens to his podcast told me that he's going a little bit overboard 
advertising the mothership during his podcast. Yeah, I would say once a week, there's probably a comedian on that's a regular at the mothership, which well, is a he's always show. talking about it and how he, you know, he's got the new thing. And it's it's the in place. There's no two ways about it. I mean, right. Uh, if if a big name's going to be in uh, Austin, they're going to go to the they're going to go to the mothership and pose with him like Bill Maher did. Right. And, you know, we, we've had we've been lucky enough to interview comedians that have headlined the mothership. And from what I hear coming straight from the horse's mouth is like, as a headlining comedian, booking a show at the mothership is something that you have no worries about because, you know, you're going to have whatever you want in the green room. You're going to get paid way too much money. You know, the show's going to sell out and you know, it's going to be the best comedy crowd of all time. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, uh, I, I, this, the magician guy I was telling you about, I, he performs there and does guest spots and he loves it. Okay. And he loves Joe Rogan and Tony Hinchcliffe and I socialized with them. So he laughs when I tell him those guys are, those guys are fucking assholes. <laughs> <laughs> Which I do agree with you about, you know, as, as much as I love kill Tony, I don't really like Tony Hinchcliffe as a person. It's just so happens he has a knack to be so mean but I do appreciate it when because I know people who have been pulled out of the bucket on Kill Tony and they were here on my scene and they were some of the worst open micers on the entire scene. And then I see them them. make it. What's that? He ripped them. He. he... Oh yeah. I I see him make it on Kill Tony, have the worst set of all time. And then Tony Hinchcliffe just takes them down to size. And I'm like, okay, that I can appreciate because you know, some people need to get torn down like that. But. When I watched him, he actually was trying not to insult the comics, which were really bad. But the other guys were, you know, he had he had his Dr. Phil impressionist on and uh, love it. <laughs> <laughs> I love Adam Ray's Dr. Phil so much. I can't. Yeah, I don't know. Who he, I don't know who he is. But uh, um, yeah, I, I mean, hey, if it sells, you get followers. That's what it's all about. It's all about followers. Right. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And, you know, that show is creating, I will say, it's creating headliners for sure. But I also think it's creating monsters in a way because you see guys like Hans Kim who are now selling tickets at theaters when they completely skip the whole process of growth and comedy because they've been put on this show every week for two years. And even though they have a, a horrible set every other week, it's like, People still buy tickets because the show's popular. I mean, they do in one minute and they suck. I mean, it's kind of amazing to me. (laughs) There was one guy, he had tried to get on 60 times and he finally got on. When every week, you know, whatever they do, they submit their name, they and they get I guess they're drawn at random, right? Yeah. I don't know. And he finally got on and it was horrible. Yeah, he lost the challenge. So that was it for him. Oh my god. He's goodness. going against Hans Kim. Okay. Yeah, see, I I just couldn't imagine getting that opportunity and the opportunity and then flubbing it. Well, I think the key is to just tell, you know, as many of your one-liner type jokes as you have. I mean, boom, 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 boom. Get as many laughs as you can in one minute. Yeah. Which I will say the difference with Kill Tony and any other show in the world is that I have seen comics go on there who I know are like Austin scene comics and I know they're very funny and they'll just do their material and it's not killing 
because they're not saying anything negative about trans people. They're not saying anything borderline racist. They're not saying anything super edgy. And if you don't do that, you think that's what it takes? A hundred percent. If you don't do that on Kill Tony, it's not going to go well because that's what that it's it's the most toxic fan base of all time. That's what that fan base enjoys laughing at. So if you don't do that, you're probably not going to do well. I I don't know. I, I maybe I should listen to it more. Maybe I maybe I could become a fan of Tony Hinchcliffe. I mean, he's a, he's one of the best insult comics. I mean, he's no he's no Don Rickles, but he's trying to be. Right. Yeah, and I mean, he's he spawned careers of really good comics too. Like uh, Michael Lehrer, before he passed away, he really gave him a lot of shine. Uh, he he was a comic who he was a second city guy. Uh, had 20 years in comedy and then he got diagnosed with ALS and then he was on Kill Tony for about three years before he passed away and that was like his you know the pinnacle of his career was being on that show well I think that uh, you know I think that you know he they probably recognize talent and are willing to to you know help them and uh, you know that's a good thing uh just this show is you know I'd love to sit down and talk to both of them and find out what they're really about. Right. Shit, I would too. Let's get them on the podcast, Jason. Yeah, get them on your podcast. Get get Joe Rogan on your podcast. That'll increase your your subscribe. Let's just get Joe Rogan real quick. Yeah. Well, whenever have- whenever me and Jacob first met for like the first year, he called me the uh the what'd you call me? The poor man's Joe Rogan. <laughs> yeah, poor man's Joe Rogan. <laughs> really? You did you did UCF or whatever it is? You were no, you, you, I, I think it's just because <laughs> I look like him somewhat and I'm a podcast. It's just because you're bald. That's <laughs> it. That's all it is. It's the, just being bald. Yeah, just the lack of lettuce. No kid. The guy, uh, you know, he started like all of us. So, you know, more power to him. That doesn't mean I have to like him. Yeah. Right. Jason doesn't like him either. So oh, okay. <laughs> well, I just don't like how political he got over the last few years. And I used to listen to the podcast, but he got too weird and political. And then his shows got to be like three and a half, four hours long. And I'm like, I ain't got the time for this. So I just stopped listening to it. No. Um, yeah, I guess the thing that bothers me most about him is that uh, I don't know if he does anything good with all that, all the power that he has. You know, what, what good is he doing for the world? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, he, he does talk to a lot of people from different viewpoints, but then that's a criticism as well. The fact that he's platforming people like Alex Jones and then, you know, he'll give a conspiracy theorist a, a place to speak. And that's OK, just as long as he gives fair balance, which right. usually doesn't. Also, yeah. Alex Jones, though, great TV. Can't deny it. <laughs> great TV. Great TV, that guy. <laughs> you always know it's a show when Alex Jones is on. He's not going to be boring. Uh, he's uh, he's going to be uh, he's going to be one of those that uh, rides off into the sunset. He's got to pay the one point one billion. They're making him pay. I think I'd rather pull my teeth out with with a pair of pliers than have to watch anything that guy does or hear his voice at all. Yeah, I would rank him in my list of uh, pieces of shit. I would rank him above Joe Joe Rogan and Tony Hinchcliffe. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I respect it, but also 
entertaining on a podcast. You know what I mean? Like hey, it's just that it's dangerous. It's it it can be really dangerous. And it right. was dangerous to the poor, you know, the poor the parents. The parents that the you know, he claimed it was a hoax. Right. Yeah, the whole Sandy Hook thing. Yeah. I mean he's he's obviously a you know not a great person. Um, I, not, article, I didn't read that. it. I saw an article that he was ranting about white people, how great white people are the other day. But I didn't. I can't give you any more than that. Yeah. Well, I know he had Kanye West on, and him and Kanye had a whole like he had to rein Kanye West in because Kanye literally said, "Yeah, Hitler was great. What's wrong with Hitler?" And Alex Jones had to be like, "Whoa!" Alex Jones actually had to stop somebody from from going to going somewhere. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, even uh, Alex Jones has his limits, apparently. No, I don't think so. <laughs> well, that, the limit is saying that Hitler is objectively good. Um, yeah, I, I mean, um, you know, I used to, I, I don't, you probably don't remember, but, there, you know, I think it was Bernie Sanders said that Castro had done good in Cuba because he, you know, he restored education and, and he was interested in educating the, the people of Cuba. And everybody was, you know, up in an uproar. And uh, I used to do a joke that, you know, I don't know what's so bad about that. I mean, it's like saying Hitler had good organizational skills. <laughs> <laughs> it's horrible. Uh, that, I, told good... it maybe, I told it maybe once. Al, once again, that's a good topical political joke. Yeah, you, you have a lot of those tonight. Al, <laughs> where's your late night talk show, Al? That's what I want to know. Well, what do you mean? Yeah, I'd love to do that. I mean, that's that's what I think my strength is, is my ability to, you know, ad lib and talk to people and, and have fun. I'd love to do a, uh, I make fun of podcasts because I'm not a big podcast fan. Uh, and I always tell people when they ask me if I have a podcast that, yeah, I do. Mine's called I Don't Have a Fucking Podcast. <laughs> hey, that was almost what we were going to call this show. <laughs> I love, but I love your opening. I love it. I think that it's, you guys should really, really stick with it. And uh, and it's fa it's fabulous. Well, damn, Jacob, it sums up. I guess, sums up I guess we got to stick with it because everybody uh, has liked it so far, but it, there's going to be that one. It. I'm telling you, we're going to have that one guest that we're going to play that theme song and then it's <laughs> just going to go black. <laughs> I, I will say, Al, so we had Steve Byrne on a few episodes ago and I saw his face while we played the song and I thought for sure one of the biggest guests we've ever had on the podcast was going to log off as soon as we played it. But he, he was apparently just thinking of what to ad lib with us, thankfully, and completely um, tore the song apart. Yeah, I, I I'm not sure I heard vagina in there, though. I think that uh, when female comics get on stage, man, they love talking about their vaginas. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's a little pop and pussy in there. Yeah. I, I think female <laughs> comics talk a lot about pop and pussy. Yeah, they talk. Um, <laughs> they talk a lot about below the waist. Yeah, they're yeah, it's their thing. But yeah, we're and uh, audiences. Yeah, audiences seem to like it, which is which I find. I think it's funny. Yeah, but uh, we're coming up on the end of the podcast, and uh, Al, it has been an absolute pleasure having you here. I, I, when Jacob said you were going to come on the show, I kind of panicked a little bit because I, I didn't know you before before the show tonight. Right. So I didn't know if I could look up some, you know, some videos or anything, but I, you know, 
You've been an absolute pleasure of a guest, so thank you for coming on the show on such short notice. Did I talk too much? No. <laughs> no, you didn't talk enough, Al. Yeah. Did I express too many opinions? No. <laughs> Al, you're, you're like the comedy grandfather I never had, and I greatly really appreciate, appreciate that. you. Thank you, Jacob. <laughs> I loved it. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So, I'm I'm glad we could uh, we could do it. Have me back. I'll do it again. So, uh, do you have any shows you want to uh, you want to plug before we get out of here? I'm I'm in the uh, Plano Comedy Festival this week. It's my fourth year, and uh, interestingly enough, I opened the festival. I was the host of the opening show, and I'm going to be hosting the closing show. So, I'll be the first person that spoke and the last person that spoke for the comedy festival, and that that's pretty cool. And I'm I'm performing with my friend, the Magic of Eric Eaton, on Sunday next Sunday, the 29th. Awesome! And uh, go follow Al on uh, social media. You're it's at Al Cosiglia on Instagram, and uh, you have a Facebook page as well. Uh, so go follow him over there, Al Cosiglia. And um, yeah, I mean, Jacob, you have anything you want to plug before we leave tonight? Uh, just that hopefully next week we will have uh, Mo Alexander and JP Leonard on. Yeah. I expect that we will because we've had both of them on several times before. Uh, I'm steadily booking guests for the rest of the year. Have a lot of fun people coming on. Uh, and we are recording our monthly bonus episode for the podcast tomorrow night. We're going to do an episode of Headliners where me, Jason, and special guest Wally Phelps break down funny headlines from the news so if you want to get that content be sure to join our patreon at www.patreon.com backslash om podcast for as little as a dollar a month and uh, i don't have anything to plug right now hopefully i will soon so uh we have thank thank you guys we have halloween coming up and hopefully i'll get some candy that's what i'm plugging right now (laughs) happy halloween everybody and if you want to email us Email us at openmicerspodcast at gmail.com. Our link tree is linktree slash openmicerspodcast. It's been completely redone where with all of our uh, links there you can find, even Cash App and PayPal if you want to throw us a little cheese every now and then. And also, just go follow us everywhere at Open Micers Podcast everywhere. We will see you guys next week. You can have all the candy I'm not allowed to have. Yeah. <laughs> this podcast is a Zoo House LLC production.